couple gets engaged, the questions often asked of them include, why do you want to get married? Or how did you know that they were the one? But is anyone actually asking, how do you both see the world? What are your dreams for the future? And what are you both willing to give up in order to achieve those dreams? Because these are the things that really matter when two people are committing to a life together. In today's show, we unpack why these questions are so important and how you can start discussing them with your partner today. Hey, we're Kim and Rog, and we're here to show couples how to get the best out of their relationship so they can start living their dream life together. We're a West Aussie couple who are living the life of our dreams. We don't entertain the word should, we think about the future as a field of possibilities, and we let joy be our compass. We've taken the simple idea of working as a team and applied it to our marriage, and it's been a game changer, allowing us to work out what truly lights us up in life and to go after it together. From living in snowy Japan to starting our own house flipping business, we've achieved some big dreams. And most importantly, we feel fulfilled and are having the most fun we've ever had. Hear conversations from inspiring couples, thoughts from relationship experts, and tales from our own lives as we help you to gain the wisdom and skills you'll need to turn your relationship into a real team. These are relationship conversations for real people by real people. So sit back, get comfy in whatever tickles you pickle and enjoy living the team life. Today we have on the agenda marriage and specifically three things to discuss before you get married. I can't remember what it was that triggered us to have this conversation. I think we saw a wedding expo advert or something and we started talking about the importance of marriage and what happens before you get married and what conversations we had and what conversations we didn't have before we got married and it really got us thinking about how much preparation people do for the life part of marriage, you know, the bit that comes after the wedding day and I think to be honest it's probably a lot less than what they do for the actual wedding day. Yeah, a lot of stress when it comes to weddings um, and I think I've said in the when we had our 10-year anniversary podcast, I said a lot of people see the wedding as the pinnacle but actually the it's the start line, the, the hard work starts right there and then. So really today we're talking about some things that should be discussed before you get married, but that doesn't mean we're saying if you're not discussing them, don't get married. These are things to add to your toolkit. These are things that are going to put you in really good stead. These are things that we wish that we knew and we were discussing 10 plus years ago. Mm. Uh, um, you know, we feel very fortunate that we're still together today. We're doing better than ever and we use these all the time now. But man, um, I can only imagine where we'd be if we'd started talking about them 11 years ago when we first got engaged. I mean, we had, just quickly on this, we had a lovely celebrant, a very, very lovely lady uh, who was a family friend who did, to her credit, do some, um, I don't know what you call it, but oh, pre, Count, pre-marriage counselling, counselling yeah. I think is what she called it. You're supposed to do it, but whether it gets done, we, we were almost a bit surprised. We were like, oh, we, we're going to come yeah. in for, for a few hours and talk about this? Yeah, <laughs> We did recognise afterwards that it was a really nice thing to do. It wasn't going to the level that we're going to today at all, but it did sort of raise our consciousness that we hadn't really talked about some of the stuff that she was asking about. And her stuff was probably a little bit more directed at actually uh, getting to know us and making sure that she embodied uh, who we were for the wedding day. But But it did also sort of check in with us, you know, 
or cause us to check in with ourselves, have we actually had some of these conversations? And I feel like when I reflect on that, we were so caught up in planning the wedding that even though we had that moment of realisation, we didn't we didn't follow up on it. And I think that's something that I just acknowledge before we begin is how stressful planning a wedding can be. And the earlier you make space for what we're going to talk about today, the earlier you bring it into your life, the easier I think it will be because you haven't got that impending wedding getting close well, I mean it's always getting closer obviously it's how time works but you haven't got that <laughs> impending impending wedding right on your doorstep and and it all being all consuming yeah yeah I think also it's um you know you can use a, a few analogies here but it's very hard to improve a machine while it's running in a sporting context it's very hard for a team to learn a new game plan midway through the season and just like how we feel that life can often get away from us because life is busy we never have have enough time to do all the things we want and often the most important things like business improvement skills improvement and in a relationship uh, couple improvement relationship improvement gets put to the wayside where you're just dealing with the the business as usual day-to-day of running the relationship so i guess as a as a starting point what we're first saying is you actually got to have these conversations. Yes. So we're, we're yes. going to talk through three key uh, things you should be discussing and talking about before you get married and then some hints and tips on how to have those discussions. But what we're going to uh, start with is saying you need to have these conversations now and regularly. Yeah, I just, I just want to say quickly, and I know this is going to sound funny, but it's not stuff you should be discussing because we don't really deal in shoulds. It's stuff that will be helpful to you if you choose to discuss it. The, there's no shame around whether you choose to go down that path or not. It's really up to you. We're just saying that it could really help you. It could really help. It could really So help. I'll, I'll pull a bit back from should, but I'm going to say, you know, if you want to uh, – if you want to hack your relationship, if you want to level up your relationship, oh, like level up, level up. Let's, if you want to yeah. level up your relationship, if you want to bulletproof it, okay. If you All want right. to future proof yep. it, yep. Yep. okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. So yeah, first and foremost, we're saying let's start having the conversations. The most important thing is to start thinking about having these conversations, and we will at the back end talk about uh, some tips to help you get started. So some of the ways that you can start making sure you are having these conversations and building these into your life. But first and foremost, the importance of having conversations with your partner, deeper level conversations that will build the safety and security of your relationship, which we talk a lot about here. It's fundamental to having a successful relationship. They will build the connection and understanding between you and not only is that amazing for your future with your partner and all the rest of it, it's actually really going to help you under those in those stressful situations like planning a wedding, right? So it's going to counter some of that stress because you are building that connection together, building that higher meaning together beyond just surviving the palaver that is a wedding. And it's going to build purpose into your life. And, and something that you talk about that you mentioned to me was – the way that you do these conversations is a really amazing opportunity for you to learn to rift and repair as well. Yeah, you know I love rift and repair. It's like building a muscle. You know, it's all these thousands of tiny little tears within the muscle that will repair over time and that's how, how you grow it. And it's the same in a relationship. And, you know, I think if you can look at it from a conversation lens is that, you know, these conversations can be quite difficult to have 
but they're going to come up at some point in your life, in your relationship. Mm. And so why not head this off at the curve and actually go, okay, let's start having bite-sized chunks of these conversations that really matter in a very, um, I guess, accessible way, in an easy-to-have way where if you do have a bit of a a friction, if you you are challenging each other, it's uh, it's in a I guess a smaller microcosm of a situation versus a couple of years down the track where it's a big bust up, it's a cataclysm, it's a deal breaker because that will happen. But if you start having these little conversations now, again and again and again, you're more you're going to get better at it, and not only that is you're going to get more comfortable having them, and you will really be. I'm going to say it again, babe bulletproofing, future-proofing your ability to have these bigger conversations in the future. Yeah. So just by having the discussion, just by practicing having discussions together, you're actually going to be practicing some of those really uh, key tools we talk about in a relationship in terms of communication, which are rift and repair, right? And, uh, and, And teaching yourself and training yourself to understand that it is completely normal to have disagreements. It is completely normal to get upset and feel feel like that person doesn't understand you. It's two of you trying to make it through the world and and that you can repair that. It's not, it's not fatalistic. We've talked about this before in another show. Don't jump to the assumptions that the more we practice having disagreements or differences of opinion and coming back to the table because it's not the end of the world, the better we get at it. Yeah, and I think for, for – I'm going to holler at my boys here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it here. I'm going to holler at – Do you at. want to name the boys you're hollering at? <laughs> no, I, okay, I meant men in general. Oh, okay. Um, not, not specific friends. <laughs> you know, shout out if you're listening. Uh, I'm going to holler at the, the men out there. And research tells us that actually 80% of issues in relationships are brought up by women. And I'm going to just tell the boys, wait, hang on a second, that's not just because women love to complain. This is because men don't bring stuff up and don't, <laughs> and don't take accountability um, and, don't, and, and shy away from some of the, the big conversations. And not only that is actually 70% of divorces are enacted by women. And again, you know, we always believe in 50-50 if you're going into right? a partnership. Is that 70%? 70%. And that, that's, well, that's, pre- interesting. that's pretty true, um, you know. Through different, uh, you know, through different nationalities um, in different places, they've done the research before as well. So, uh, what I'm saying to the guys out there is that if you want to bulletproof your marriage and your relationship going forward, get used to having these little conversations because generally it is hard for men to have the big conversations about what really matters. And I'm talking generally here. It's something that I've had to really work on and grow into over time. Um, but the more you do it, the better you'll get. And, um, you know, take accountability of, of the relationship because I, I love this quote from Scott Galloway. He says that, you know, your, your relationship's the biggest investment you'll ever make in your life because you're pretty much betting 50% of all your net assets on it. And it might be a bit of it's a... It's brutal. It, it's, it's a brutal way, but for some people, if you really want, you know, think about it, uh, I think it's a good way to sort of understand it through a different, a different lens that your relationship is an investment and if you don't put work into it if you're not constantly looking at your your love portfolio then you know you're going to end up you're going to end up poor broke I'm really I'm really leaning hard on the analogies today already aren't I (laughs) I mean they're not doing it for me but 
I don't know. I can't speak for men. Maybe there's some blokes out there finding them relatable. Um, but I appreciate different perspective, different ways of approaching these things. So anyway, let's move on from that. What I think we've made it pretty clear that we believe in the importance of talking of really opening up communication and it's 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 you know it's one of the foundations of what we do here which is to have conversations that aren't necessarily easy to have and it's to model having these conversations as well because we want people to see that talking with your partner talking about your relationship is not scary it's not the worst thing in the world in fact it's a really really amazing way of developing your relationship and bonding and bonding connecting all of those things so moving on from there the three things to talk about before you get married so if we could just tell people three three areas to cover in these conversations these are our absolute best three areas that we would expect or hope people would put their energy and time into the first one is talk about the way you both see the world discuss all the things so that you understand your partner's beliefs what's important to them what lights them up you want to understand the world through their eyes yeah you're you're really talking about values here aren't you we're talking about values we are we're talking about belief systems and these the values and belief systems these things relate to our family life our work life our business choices how we want to have fun how we want to play how we show up romantically how we show up as a partner all of these things are really important parts of life that can cause a lot of friction if we don't understand one another's value set around them and don't form a relationship value set around them. Yeah, I, I often um, uh, see values are really the, the framework to your life because they give you the boundaries of which it's okay for you to operate in. Yeah. The way you go about it needs to be core to you, you know, whether it be trustworthy, whether your values are around the time you spend with your children whether your values about where you want to live and how you want to spend your life. Yeah, and it's asking questions like, what would a family in the future look like to you? You know, how do they imagine what a family is? And people have lots of different ideas around that. They might say, oh, my family in the future is going to have two dogs and the two of us. Well, that might be quite different from what the partner's imagining. You know, what sort of work life do you imagine we're going to have in the future? What's that going to look like for you? What what do you imagine around work home life balance? How would how are how are those things how are those things set in terms of priorities in your mind? So really having those conversations around any any of the really key areas of life. Do you value community service? Will giving back something that's important for you what might that look like it's starting to paint a picture of how these values also will play play out in life so you can really start to visualize the more we can visualize the more we can sort of understand things what what is really important to your partner and that's going to set the foundation for how you're going to join together and and set your values yeah and I, I think a great example of what we've had in the past is one of your values is actually living in a small uh, community near nature 
and uh, I'm fully aligned with that value as well. And we talked about it a lot. And that's different to, oh, where are we just going to live? And, I, and that was great because it also enabled us when we wanted to move to Japan. Uh, it wasn't, oh, we want to move to Tokyo in a big city because we want to experience the world. It was like, no, we want to go live in a snow forest and ski every day. But then when we came home, it also shaped how we went about it. Yeah, it, I mean, if I break it down, it was kind of like I value being connected to community and I really uh, value being connected to nature. So those things led us to Japan because I knew having spent time obviously living in a, in a um, rural part of WA as a kid, I knew that living in smaller communities created and fostered an environment more for uh, a community-based approach. You weren't so much, you know, living in silos and maybe not knowing the name of your neighbours. Everybody knew one another. You went to Charlie Carter's and you bumped into all the people that you were at school with and the people that lived down the road from you and everyone helped each other out and dropped off mail and did whatever else, right? So that for me was something that being part of a community was really like something I took out of my childhood as, as deeply ingrained and I have always said as an adult that's what I wanted when I had my own children. And then another part was obviously being in nature. Again, you know, growing up in that rural space, it just it's, – it's just like in my soul. It's, it's what I know makes me feel – you know, people say what lights you up. Well, what lights me up is feeling calm <laughs> in nature. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I knew those things and when we moved to Japan we were ticking oh, – ticking both of those boxes and hitting on both of those values and uh, we've kept those values when we came home. They just look a little bit different how we're meeting them now. Yeah, so when we came home, we came home from our, um, our snowy ski life in Japan because our daughter needed additional support after her diagnosis of autism. Uh, so we had to go to a city that was larger like, and I know Perth, Perth's boomtown, but it's not, it's not the big smoke. Uh, but how our values helped us when we were looking to buy a house was we went to look for a house with a, on a big block with a small cottage on it, what we could afford in a nice suburb versus a small block with a big spanking new house on it. Like we've got old creek and floorboards. We still need to renovate our bathroom. We've got a little bit of a way to go, but we love our block because it's got beautiful trees on it. It's got a massive backyard. We're surrounded by nature and we're in a great suburb. But that's an example of how our values really helped our decision making going forward. Yeah, it hit the nature. Like we got nature because yep. we have a lot of trees out the back and it does feel like we're more connected to nature and we also have a lot of nature around us that you can you know shared amenity and in terms of you know the community side of it we we were not going to be able to live in a small community because they don't offer the same level of service support that we need for our daughter but we are able to live in a community where it'll sound a bit funny but the vibe is similar to the way we sort of approach life it, yeah, you know it. It makes you feel like you belong in in like it feels it feels like it's aligned with who we are as people, and you know you, you can tell that sort of thing by going to the local parks or going to walk the dog, and and the engagement you get with your community that is also part of being a community, and whether you feel like you belong in that community, and and we do here. So I guess you hit on both of those things. Um, so that's sort of how those values can be super important in guiding you. And the other benefit, I think, to having these conversations around your values and the way you see your world, if you want to think about it sort of like 
um, if you want to be able to visualise that a bit more, like how you both see the world, how you see life, what's important to you. When you have these conversations, you might realise that people are often at different stages of self-awareness. So like when we started having, when we got married, sorry, we, I was probably a little bit further on the journey in terms of getting to know myself. I had started that journey after my epilepsy diagnosis had really forced me to start to spend a bit more time getting to know myself and working this stuff out. But instead of, so instead of me saying, you know, like having to, feeling like I I wanted you to hurry up and get to the place I was at, by having these conversations, we progressively grew together and we grew towards each other in terms of our own self-awareness and where we were at. So, you know, people will say quite often, oh, my partner just doesn't get it or he's not that way inclined. I wish he'd just sort his stuff out or she'd just sort her stuff out and, you know, get on the same page with me. You have to support your partner through that journey. That's your job. If your partner's not where you where you would wish they were in terms of emotional sharing or development, you need to help them. You need to create a space where it's safe for them to grow with you. You're their best support on this earth. And I think when we started having these conversations, we certainly grew together in this space of self-awareness and, and self-development. And, and now I would say we're very much in the same place because of years of working together on this and and focusing on, I guess, uh, supporting one another in that space. Yeah, I think that's a great point because there is a good chance that if you're just about to get married, um, you're in that sort of uh, zone of life that you, the two of you probably are at different stages of self-awareness, of mm. understanding who you really are. And I think also that's true because there's still many people after a decade of marriage who are still... Um, misaligned of where they believe they are themselves and then of course if you don't understand yourself how can you understand what you want out of a relationship and then want out of life so again coming back to the fact that having these smaller conversations again and again you can really start to supercharge that person who might be a little bit behind that you're giving them access to I guess, a forum to, to start to look at themselves, to start to bring that, that'll give them confidence to start to look at the relationship and what they know and what they can understand and what the, the two of you can do together in the future. I love that, supercharge. So, yeah, we're talking about dreams next. So we've just defined why it's important to understand how you both see the world, which is So number values. one, talking and about how you both see the world. Yeah, number two is talking about your dreams. So I, I always use the analogy that it's it's very hard to hit a target that you're not aiming at. So, you know, that's really just saying you have one life and it's a pretty big risk to take. It's a pretty big assumption to make that you will achieve what you want at the different stages in your life without actually defining and understanding what it is you do want. So uh, It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> when we look back and think about when we didn't define it, like what, I, I honestly wonder like, where were we heading in our minds? And only that in a relationship and, and in life, you're in, people are constantly growing and some people grow faster than others. And definitely when you've got uh, a purpose, a goal, an outcome, you're, you're more likely to grow because you're very focused in what you're trying to achieve. If you haven't made a goal together, if you haven't dreamt together, said this is what we want out of life and this is how we're going to get there, if you're not growing together, you're growing apart. 
Mm. And so without having that common dream, without dreaming together, without talking about your dreams, without talking about them day to day and reassessing them, you know, every six to 12 months, you will start to slowly, slowly but surely over time become separated from your partner ideologically. Well, that's why I think Gottman talks about and his research shows the importance of shared purpose in a relationship, that it's one of the key indicators for a successful relationship is having purpose in the relationship. That's how important it is. You need to be able to get buy-in from both of you to that purpose as Mm. well. So that purpose is so important, that dream is so important, but you both have to believe in it. Unless you're talking about it frequently, you find what happens is you generally sort of gravitate to maybe what society is telling you Mm. you should dream about, what your friends might have as their dreams. Oh, I want to run a, a cafe or I want to... What your um, family are telling you to dream. What you're, 100% what your family, what you grew up thinking, this is what you should be dreaming about, this is what you should be achieving. And so when you've constantly got society, your family, your peers, telling you what they're dreaming about or where to go, you know, it can be very hard. There's a lot of noise to block out. But if you're having that conversation with your partner again and again and again, that's when you can start to define your own dreams and your own definitions of success. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about dreams can be probably a little bit abstract for some people. You know, like where do I start if I don't normally have conversations about dreaming? And some of the hints we would give people are to think about things like what impact do I want to have in the world? Do I dream of changing something in the world or being part of a change of something in the world do I dream of leaving some sort of legacy some mark on the world and I'm not saying that you have to be the most famous the most the the best at something that's the that's the really like obvious mark of a legacy but the truth is each individual has capacity to leave an incredible legacy whether the world knows it or not do you, do you want to be known for kindness? What a legacy to have left, that you were a kind human being, that you touched others with kindness. These are the sorts of things that you need to be talking about, you know, and how, you're, how does the dream look if, if the legacy is kindness? What does it look like? And, and a great way to work out what your dreams are is to do a, a visualisation exercise, which we love doing these we don't do them all the time these are quite uh spaced apart because otherwise they'd probably get a little bit overwhelming but they're super impactful so we sit down and ask ourselves in three years time in five years time we wake up what does the day look like on a dream day and we walk through that day in our minds together so the person answering will walk through where are they waking up? What bed are they in? What house are they in? What part of the country are they in? What are they looking at outside? You know, what, what's happening? What are, the, what are the senses getting fed? The sounds, the smells, all of it. What does that dream life look like in all its little pieces? And that really starts to paint a picture for you about what your dreams are. Yeah, and it's funny because you'd think, oh, I know what it'll be like. It'll be um, sipping cocktails in the Bahamas. Um, and you actually find that, no, if you sit and do this exercise, often it's about, oh, well, yeah, we want to be um, financially secure. 
I want to make sure I've just dropped the kids off at sport and I had the time to go and watch and enjoy it and then uh, spend the time with my wife and my friends having lunch. We pick the kids up, we go have fish and chips and spend time together as a family and we are planning a trip away at some point. It's so funny because all of a sudden you really do start to realise it's the, the things that really matter often are the time you get and the relationships you have with your family, with your friends, uh, specifically, especially with your partner. Yeah, I mean, we dream of owning a rural block at some point so yeah. we can have that rural life that we had had sort of, we've always held dear to us. And we talk about going to the local bakery, you yeah. know, smelling the fresh croissants, our daughter eating one of the croissants. I do dream of pies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yep, get into the detail. Yeah. It is important. Uh, but the, the you know, those the sensory feedback of that is amazing. And it it does, like you say, really help you to see what are your what are your actual dreams, what is actually important to you, what's gonna light you up in life if you if you achieve that, if you get to that dream. Uh, so so yeah, that's a really fun exercise and and one we highly recommend if you're wanting to practice dreaming together all right we're now on to number three and the third thing that we would encourage couples to talk about before they walk down the aisle is to talk about what they're willing to give up in the relationship so in life we've only got a certain amount of time to do everything we want to do so we're going to have to give things up if we really want to achieve the things we want to do. And this is the concept from Brian Tracy, who's one of the founding fathers of motivational goals. This is before Tony Robbins. And he talked about eating the eating the big frog first. That was about always focusing on your, your number one goal. But one of his other lessons was you got to understand what you're saying no to. And that's almost as important, if not as important as what you say yes to. That's what Mark Manson talks about, right? The failing, like what are you willing to fail at? Understand that chasing down dreams and goals, which we talk about all the time, comes at a cost. You cannot do everything in life. No, at some point you're going to miss out on doing things. Instead of having that 2020 hindsight, that vision of regret, take control of what you're deciding yes. not to do. Being decisive is a very uh, a very underrated and a very powerful tool on what I'm deciding not to do so I can focus on what I really want to do. So what what you're saying is it's two-sided. Once one you get you get really clear on what you are willing to give up so there's an agreement there there's like something really um deliberate and literal there that you can that you can bed down and say that's it I'm going to we've agreed we're going to give this up and then on top of that the inverse of doing that so the first part is that you're on the same page with the person right and you know front end you're not going to look back and say oh why did we miss out because we agreed we were going to let go of that and the second part is when you work out what you're willing to give up it is actually empowering you to go really strongly after what you want so you, for example, you know, the, the classic one that people talk about is the size of your house, for example. I'm willing to have a smaller house if I get a bigger backyard. Okay, now I can look for smaller houses and I'm not going to be thinking the whole time, oh, I just really, you know, I really wish I had a bit more space. Uh-uh, I've worked that out. 
I was willing to give that up and I've made that, we've made that agreement. And so as a couple, you can be strong in your conviction of the decisions you're making rather than spending time, which is what you're talking about, living in in no man's land, the indecisive land, which is a time waster and an energy waster because you've made that agreement and you can remind each other of that. You know what? We agreed not to have that. We've agreed not to have that so that we can have this. And it's, I think it's a super empowering tool. Yeah, everyone goes through it. Um, generally, if they want to go uh, take out a mortgage to buy somewhere, they need to understand what the size of their mortgage they're going to take out is. And if they're going to put themselves under an increasing amount of mortgage stress, and once they do that, okay, we're going we're gonna to borrow to our max. We're going to be under huge mortgage stress, perhaps, um, to go buy a place that we want in the suburb we want with the, the five bedrooms, five en suites, you know, a little backyard and it's got to be, you know, close to brand new while they perhaps aren't thinking, well, what am I willing to give up mm. conversely in terms of, okay, well, so that means I can't move to a more flexible job maybe. I need to continue climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, both of us will have to work full-time, which means we have to get childcare in, which means we have to spend less time together. Um, we have less uh, disposable income to, uh, you know, maybe go on holidays or to, um, you know, uh, get help around the house so we can do other things like that. So there's some key decisions that you will need to make as a couple going forward that if you're not talking about now at a smaller level of what you can say yes to and more importantly what you can say no to uh, you might make the wrong decision and once you're locked in it's even harder to then go okay well let's downgrade our house because we're under too much mortgage pressure we've seen some friends do it and I sit there and go wow so empowering but society will often often go oh that's a bit embarrassing isn't it and you know you know you really again if you've got your values in order that shouldn't matter but those things do happen in your life. Absolutely. I, I think, oh, I mean, what you say about what society says just comes back to what we were saying at the beginning, which is society will dictate all sorts of ideas around what your dream life could be or should be. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters outside of your relationship. At the end of the day, what you guys decide matters, what you guys are willing to give up, that's that's the most important thing because that's what's aligned to you. That's what's going to connect with your soul. That's what's going to keep you guys connected and on the same page and committed to the relationship and committed to the future. You know, maybe you say, I really want my kids to live in the hills. I want them to, to be free to run around outside in nature, to see bush everywhere they look. I want them to have that smell of bush when they wake up in the morning. And to do that, it means I'm going to give up an hour and a half of my time every day with them because I have to drive back and forth to work. But I'm willing to give that time up with them because it's I value even more their, their upbringing in nature. That's an even higher value for me. So I'm willing to give that up. And then you don't crucify yourself every day for taking an hour and a half. Instead, you go, yeah, my kids are living the life I want for them. And that is absolutely amazing. You're training your brain to really understand 100%. that there's a cost to everything and that to to say yes to something, you're having to say no to something else. Yes. Just like if you want to be the, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, well, you're going to have to give up a lot. It's just as simple as that. You might have to give up a couple of marriages. You might have to give up time with your kids. You might have to give up your actual health of your body and your wellness because to be at the pinnacle of something, you're generally up against other people who have been willing to give up the same or more. 
So mm. understanding what you want to be able to give up, what you want to fail at, what you want to say no to will then put you in a greater spot to focus on your goals going forward. And once you understand what your values are in life and you're clear on your dreams, that decision becomes a lot easier. Yes, I want to see my kids play sport on a Saturday morning on the weekend instead of going into the office to see a client. Yes, I want to be able to go to um, come home at six o'clock to put my three-year-old down before they go to bed. You can just see how that reduces friction in a relationship and creates connection because you're on the same page, right? That's what we're talking about. You're getting clearer about what page you're on and you're both backing each other. You know, you and I always talk about having a person in your corner, back someone someone who's got your back and that's what these sorts of conversations do. They build that person in your corner. They build someone who's got your back, that shared understanding of the life that you want together and, and how you're going to go after that. Yeah, so I, I think, sorry, I, I was just going to say that also, you know, you're talking about, you know, being on the same page and again, coming back to if you're not having these little conversations, life gets away from you and one day you look up and not only you're on this, not on the same page, you're not even reading from the same book. So we're saying get, get in front of it now. Absolutely. All right, so just some practical tips. Uh, obviously, those three areas to talk about that we say, look, if you can't talk about anything else, cover these and you will be infinitely more prepared and in an infinitely better position for your relationship when you head down the aisle uh, and and to have these conversations obviously is there's a bit of a how-to you know how do we start having these conversations and we've talked about how to have uh, difficult conversations before basically it's it's pretty simple things like firstly creating the space for it creating even the physical space for it making sure you pick a good physical space and location for you to have these conversations at a time that works for both of you so that they are a priority and they're not met with a lot of other friction uh managing expectations before you even begin the conversation so understanding that when we talk about these big issues Roger and I go in knowing you know what this is going to probably bring some heat this conversation and that's okay that's okay you know we love each other it's okay for us to disagree even after a really hectic argument we will say to each other I love you I love you. We know that it's there. It's just a disagreement. So it's not a big deal and you're managing the expectations that things will not always be perfect in the conversation and and showing compassion to your partner and showing compassion to yourself when that shows up. Yeah, so when you're going into the conversation, I guess another point is is don't be so adversarial. It's not me versus you. It's not you versus them. It's us versus the world. We're on the same yes. team. We're coming at this where we've got the same goal. We want, might not want exactly the same outcome on the specific scenario, but the main outcome is you and I work as a team to achieve whatever that outcome we do agree on is. Yes, I love that. It, it, you know, it, you are the unit that you, that you create and you, you want to be part of a team. Trust me, there's nothing that feels better than knowing that someone – is 100% in your corner. And that at a pure form, that's why you're getting married in the first place. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's what it is. I mean, that that is it, right? It's it's to have someone always in your corner and, you know, the other part of that is to live an incredible life together. Yeah. And that's where all the dreaming and the planning comes in. Yeah, we're coming we're coming together 
to rock out and do the best we can for ourselves in the world. Yeah, and when things aren't great, you know what? We've got someone who's going who's gonna to keep us going, who's going to lift us up and, and help us get through. I've got someone who's got my back no matter what. So when I stumble, I fall, life gets real, they're behind me and I'm there for them in the same way. So last little practical tip on how to start having these conversations is uh, – to schedule them and we suggest scheduling them with a habit stack. Uh, a big proponent of James Clear, I've talked about him before. And when we look at creating a new habit, it can be much easier when we habit stack it with a habit we already have that we enjoy. Uh, so that might be you might have a dinner date planned that you go to, I don't know, once a fortnight, maybe you get the babysitter in. Actually habit stack that with the conversations. Uh, if you've got children, you get the babysitter in. If you don't, obviously you don't. <laughs> but habit stack the conversations with um, a habit that you already have that you really enjoy because then you're going to look for – your brain is already wired to look forward to the habits that you already enjoy and so you will start to associate that with the with the new habit and you will be more committed to fulfilling that new habit and making it a habit of its own. So habit stack them and make sure they're in the schedule and the last one – The last one I'd say is start now and, you know – it's a lot easier when you start now. If you start, you know, when you get engaged, before you get married or even down the track, just start now. If you're listening to this podcast and you've been married for 10 years like us, 20 years or whatever, do you know what? The best time to start was before you got married. The next best time is to start right now. 100%. 100%. So, uh, sweetie, that's our show for the day. What was the gold nugget you took out of it? Oh, I always have to go first on this. Yeah, because I'm the one who remembers to say the gold nugget. I need a moment to think okay, about it. I'll do my gold okay, nugget gold because gold. I think I said it about 30 times during the show, but that's okay. I do bang on a bit. Um, mine is that these are small conversations in bite-sized chunks to make them more palatable. So be brave and be the one who starts to instigate them. But as you said, make sure you provide the space to do it because you might not be at the same stage of your self-awareness of who you are but if you can go in for a small conversation create the space you might be able to bring your partner along and help them along in a supportive way as opposed to start throwing out a why won't you just grow up why are we never on the same page at them when things start to get real and things blow up uh, I think my nugget for today was understanding that when we know what we're willing to give up it is actually empowering. I think it's just such a cool flip of something that people will most naturally feel like it's depriving them of something or have some like negative associated feelings. And actually when you see that deciding what you're going to give up is super empowering, you can really start to flip the switch on those emotions and those feelings and, and it's, it's just a really lovely way to live life. You're amazing. You've just spent quality time on your relationship. Feel like you're on a roll? If you want more Living the Team Life relationship insights and conversations, head over to kimandrodge.com where you can find all the show notes as well as tons of other relationship goodies. And if you liked today's episode, please hit subscribe or let another couple know where they can find us. It'll make them happy and it'll make us really happy. Until next time, keep on living the team life.